Amen. Well, Happy New Year to you and welcome to Grace. I want you to show your appreciation to the Grace Worship Ministry. Every song being original this morning, written in-house. Thank these guys for doing a great job. Uh, some beautiful pieces straight out of the Word of God there. I normally tell you at this point to turn, but if you've looked at your outline, I have 30 different, uh, 35, I believe somebody counted and told me, cross-references. So I'm not going to ask you to turn. I'm not going to ask you to stand every time we read the Word, lest we look like our Catholic friends and up and down and up and down. And so um, we love them, but we're not going to do that today. I do not particularly care to preach in a topical fashion. In fact, this is my very first Sunday morning topical message ever at Grace, but I did feel compelled by the Spirit of God to bring you this particular message with these particular scriptures just to get us moving the right way. Next week, we'll pick back up with Hebrews. I'll begin in chapter 12. We're going to make a beeline to the conclusion. Um, we've been at it nearly two years now, and so the first few verses of chapter 12 are spectacular. You will be encouraged and inspired. I hope that you'll be here and bring some friends. I want to say a couple of things before we dive into all of this wonderful scripture and these simple truths I want to give you today. Number one, Christmas gift for Christ. I know it was a big ask. It was $190,000 for that new bus for our fleet, but it can be used by all of the age groups. And I'm happy to report to you today that you met and exceeded that goal. The bus is on the way. So congratulations for that. Thank you. I also want to tell you two unique things. Today, since the church's founding in 1916 is the very first day, as Jeff and I looked back, that all of the music is original, which is a beautiful thing to be writing new songs to the Lord. But also, it, we just came out of the largest giving month in the history of our church. In December, through your general fund giving and our special gifts, you gave over $1.5 million to the Ministries of Grace in the month. So I don't know how you feel about it, but that's a lot of coins and there's a lot of ministry that can be done by that. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for being a church on fire. Thank you for an incredible year. I'm going to do a state of the church address, not this Wednesday. This Wednesday is even more important. It's a church-wide prayer time led by our pastoral team. It's gonna be incredible, very holy and special. The following week on the 17th, I have a church-wide a state of the church address and very important business conference to talk about a lot of new things on the horizon, literally touching Carnes to the uttermost. And I'm gonna entitle my state of the church because we're gonna be celebrating five years. I'm gonna entitle it Rock On, okay? So all my friends from the 80s, Rock On will be the title of that. You just have to guess, what in the world scripture is that coming from? I promise you there's a wonderful passage that um, talks about putting the rock, ex expressing thanks for what God has done and moving on. I do wanna make uh, one welcome this morning to some new families here in our church that um, have just become part of the GCA family and will, I think, soon become part of the GBC family. But um, they are gonna be leading our a football program and uh, working in different areas of athletics and um, uh, Price Brothers, where are you guys? They tell me, right there, hey, stand up guys. They look a little bit alike because they're identical twins. Um, we have hired the Price Brothers to lead football here. So welcome to Grace, gang, and your wives. Glad you're here. And um, Justin's in front and Matt's behind, yes? 
I got y'all, see? I don't know what it is, man. I'm just praying, Lord, let me get it right. I don't know. Um, Justin and Matt Price, along with their wives and their children, we had a wonderful time getting to know them uh, up leading into the holidays. And God opened that wonderful door as Coach Long was called back to his home at Fulton. And we certainly love Coach and his family. But we are delighted to have Justin and Matt Price and their families here. And uh, even though our son is graduating and won't get to play for them, we got some tremendous young athletes coming up, and uh, it's a good time to be at GCA. You know, it's a pretty good time to be a Tennessee Vol if you love basketball, isn't it? Um, it's a good time to be a Carolina Tar Heel. I hope we meet y'all again in March, and uh, you'll get another shot. I don't think you'll take it, but you'll get another shot. Okay, let me ask you a question. You ready? Here we go. Because we're going to talk about how we'd be more in 24. Have y'all made any New Year's resolutions? Anybody? New Year's resolution? You don't want to admit it, do you? You're afraid I'm going to hold you accountable. Anybody made this resolution? I want to gain a whole lot more weight in 24. I would like to smoke and drink a lot more in 24. Anybody? I'd like to see my kids and wife less in 24. No, you better not. Of course you don't make resolutions like that. We make resolutions to make us better. And so I would ask, do you have any spiritual resolutions? It is the first Lord's Day of the new year. On Christmas Eve, I showed you guys pictures of Miss Lucy and Miss Sophia. Now, I won't do that again. I have a lot more. If you want to see them, come see me after the service. But it is incredible for me to tell y'all that next Sunday morning, January the 14th, Lucy Bryn Levesey, our first grandchild. I know I haven't said much about her since I've been here, but look, Lucy turns four years old. Can y'all believe that? Four years old. Where is time going? She'll be driving next week. What's going on? It's amazing how our children and grandchildren grow and they grow so fast. And uh, the closer I get to the middle of a century, the faster time goes. But let me ask you a question. Do you expect your children who may be, let's say three today and four by the end of the year, do you expect them to grow this year? Physically, mentally, emotionally? Of course you expect them to grow. Do you think our father in heaven expects his children to grow? Do you think our Heavenly Father expects that if we're here and our heart's beating and our lungs are taking in air, do you think he expects that we would grow? Of course he does. Look at the screen. Again, I'll not ask you to stand today because I have so many, but Philippians 3, 14, the apostle Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul used a lot of athletic metaphors and Paul didn't just say, I want to run the race or I wanna be in the wrestling match. Paul said, I'm running in such a way as to win. I wanna be a part of winners. Coach Price, Coach Price, listen carefully. I wanna be a part of winners. I believe God gave us heaven's best. I know God gave us heaven's best. Why would we in return not give him our very best? Why would we as his children not want to grow and develop and learn and run the race in such a way that we would please our father? I would say if we're going to do anything this year, let's put a smile on God's face, y'all. Let's press in and let's press on and let's move forward to see more people reached with the gospel and more ministry done than in our hundred plus years. Last year we had a record breaker. The year before that was a record breaker. 24 should be a record breaker for the glory of God and the good of others. We want to see his kingdom come, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. First Timothy 4, 7 says, discipline yourself or exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. 
If you would work out the physical body, why would you not have a plan for the spiritual? Maybe you remember this popular military slogan. It said this, be all that you can be. Find your future in the army. If you're a Christian today, you're part of the army of the living God. Put on your belt of truth, your breastplate of righteousness. Get ready because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And the Bible says, Christians stand, stand therefore, stand firm and be ready. And we're going to start with putting on the belt of truth. And to be more in 24, I believe most of us who are children of God want similar things. We want to be more like Christ this year than last. We want to be more godly husband. I want to be a more involved father and jipa. I want to be a more passionate and powerful and sold out pastor and servant leader under the headship of Christ in my home and in this church and in this community. And, and like you, if you're a part of the Grace family, you want this church to reach out and touch lives and change eternities. I want to see people coming. We, had, we celebrated baptism in the first hour. It seems like every week in one or both services, we're seeing life change and we're seeing people follow that through. But I never want to miss it, guys. And I don't want to get the children's song out of order. Y'all know it's deep and wide. And I know when we repeat the song, we go wide and deep, but it's deep and wide. And I believe if a as a church, if we'll do what I said to you five years ago, the first time I stood up here as your pastor and I said, I want to aim for depth. I want to build deep spiritual roots for my family, for my children and grandchildren. So with the wind and the waves come and rock against us, we will stand like the mighty oak. I want to believe that God wants us to dig down and in going deep then, I believe God will give us width. I believe God will grant us people and a greater ministry and more harvest. In fact, in some of the things we're going to be bringing to you uh, on the 17th, new pastors, moving some pastors around. All this has been approved by your personnel and trustees and all that. Now you need to speak into it. We're going to put some guys in place for, for more local ministry touches than we've ever had. We're doing really well nationally and internationally. We need to do even more locally. We can do more locally. You guys come out in droves, hundreds, this year even over 1,000 volunteers for feeding the 5,000. We ought to be doing something every single week of the year, not a couple of times a year. And we're gonna do it. And we're gonna bring guys on this team and gals on this team that are gonna help us and lead us and get us out of this church. We're gonna go deep. We're gonna trust God for width. And this morning, I wanna give you three simple, proven, powerful ways to be more in 24. And they are very much in an order here, I believe even a priority. So if you're a note taker with grace notes, jot them down. Number one, to be more like Jesus, we must pray frequently. Frequently. Now I've also parenthetically put and fervently. We want to, we know the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but I want you to pray this year more frequently. Two of us pray, too many of us just pray before meals or before bed or maybe during our quiet time, or our family time, I want you to communicate with God throughout your day. Be a Nehemiah prayer warrior this year. You know, Nehemiah has the longest recorded prayer in the Bible, and he has several of the shortest prayers in the Bible, a word or two. I want you to be in constant communion, which is the same root word as communication, with your father. It's just like if I want to sit down and talk to Cindy, I may say, honey, we need to talk. 
Or she may say to me, honey, we need to sit down and talk. But that doesn't happen all that frequently because we're communicating all the time. Actually, Pastor Jeff said something great when we were at the kiosk between services. He said, when you were talking about prayer and praying frequently, he said, I thought about it like this, don't log off. See, some of y'all, you got your device and you hardly ever log off. Maybe the only time you log off is to shut down and restart or if something gets hung. I want you to think about this, not with your cell phone, but with communicating with God. Just don't log off. Now, look, prayer is expected. Let's get this down, guys. Prayer is expected. I do want you to turn to this particular passage because I want you to see it in your copy of God's word. Go to Matthew 6. I'll give you a moment, Matthew 6, and let's just look at the beginnings of the model prayer in verses 5 and following. And I want you to notice some repeated words and phrases here because prayer, when we come to the scripture, is expected. It's communicating with God, speaking to him, listening to him. It's a two-way communication. And remember, prayer is really the conduit through which God's blessings flow. And so we're going to stay connected to our Father. Some of my best prayer times are in the truck and in the deer stand. My best prayer times typically don't happen on mass. I love praying here. I love praying with you and for you. We're going to have an incredible prayer service uh, next Wednesday night. It won't be too long. It won't be tough for you. We're going to have lots of prompts and pastors are going to take different sections. It'll be very holy. It'll be, it'll really draw us to the Father But we need to understand that this thing called prayer is expected. Look at what the Lord Jesus himself says. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they can be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they've had their reward. But you, look at this same repeated phrase, when you pray. Go into your room and when you've shut your door, pray to your father in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And third time's a charm when you pray. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They think that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. So in this manner, therefore, pray. You see how expected it is when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Therefore, pray our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And y'all know that model prayer that Jesus gives us. In fact, Colossians 4, 2 says it this way, continue earnestly or devote yourselves in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now, I don't know if you've learned a verse for the year yet, but I'm gonna give you your first verse to memorize for 2024. Y'all know how when we get in Hebrews, we'll be memorizing verses each chapter again. We'll start again next week. But today, I'm gonna give you a verse to memorize. If you don't have it memorized, let's learn it together. I'll bet you've heard it before. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Are you ready? Say it with me. Pray without ceasing. Do you have it memorized? Do I need to put blanks in there? No, you got it. Now, what does that mean, pray without ceasing? What could that mean? Does that mean I just talk all the time? Oh, of course it doesn't mean I'm mumbling to myself all the time. It means I'm in a constant communication with my Lord. I like it, Jeff. I'm never logged off. I'm never logged off. I know that God hears at any moment. Aren't you thankful he doesn't make you press one for English and two for Spanish? Aren't you thankful that he never sends you to voicemail? You're thankful that he says that you've called outside of normal operating hours? When you pray, it is expected. And we don't go to voicemail. And we're told many times in the gospel that Jesus often withdrew to solitary places and prayed. 
And I've always read that thinking, boy, if Jesus, God in flesh, needed to pray, how much more do I need to pray? How much more do I need to be in a constant state of communication with my Lord? It's not only expected, though, gang. Prayer is learned. It is learned. We must ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and to become mature in prayer. I don't mean you have to learn a bunch of fancy words. I don't mean you have to understand Elizabethan English and speak King James to pray. I mean, according to Luke 11, 1 and 2, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place and he ceased, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John has taught his disciples, Lord, teach us. Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus didn't say, what do you mean teach you to pray? Just talk to the Father. He said, okay, when you pray, this is one way to do that. And he said, our Father, which art in heaven, and he goes on with this prayer. Now, I'm not saying that's the only way to pray. He's saying this is a pattern for you. It's like our children and grandchildren. I love the fact that today we're doing a little soup lunch at the house. But Cindy's cooked some taco soup and everybody's gathering at the Lewis house. And I'm going to ask her now because she's three, almost four. I don't know if she'll do it. But most of the time she does. I'll say, Miss Lucy, would you pray for us? And, And she'll say something about give us. We're thankful for our daily. And she'll put in, Cindy was reminding me, she won't say our daily bread. She'll put in whatever we're eating, daily hot dog, daily soup. She'll put that in. She hasn't quite figured out daily bread covers the gamut. But I like the specificity. I'm sure God's up there kind of smiling going, I'll take that. So thank you for our daily soup and we'll keep praying. But you know what? Her mom and daddy have been teaching her that. Her mom and daddy have been showing her this is how we pray. This is what we would say. And so we learn to pray. And, and one of the things that's helped me as much as anything else in my prayer life is a little tool. It's a little acrostic. You've heard it. It's called ACTS, A-C-T-S, ACTS. And it really helps me process my prayer. Adoration, I love God and I I want him to know I love him for who he is. He's my creator and redeemer and sustainer and I love God and I adore him. Confession, I need to come clean on some stuff. I'm probably not the only one. Need to come clean, need to confess some sin. Thanksgiving, Lord, I just am so grateful for who you are and what you've done, what you're doing. And then supplication is the last of the acts acrostic. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Supplication is, Lord, this is what I need. And God wants you to share your heart about what you need or what you desire for those that are sick or for yourself or for different uh, maybe financial needs, relational needs, health needs, spiritual needs, etc. But adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, that's really, really helped me quite a bit. Maybe you guys heard about the guy who was praying one day. He was actually lying out on the grass. He was looking up, identifying shapes in the clouds. And he had some questions. He said, God, how long is a million years? And God replied and said, well, son, to me, a million years is like a minute. The man thought, wow, a minute. And then he said, well, God, uh, to you, how, how much is a million dollars? God said, well, son, to me, a million dollars is like a penny. He said, wow. He said, God, can I have a penny? And God said, in a minute. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) listen, I understand that when we pray, we're not waiting for an audible voice. 
But the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. You don't need an audible voice to know that your Father is listening. And if you want to hear God speak, if you are just bound and determined to have to hear God speak, read the Bible out loud. That is God speaking. You say, what does the voice of God sound like? James Earl Jones, Adrian Rogers. Sounds like you when you read it out loud. Read what God has said. So you're going to have to be a student of the word in addition to a man and woman of prayer. To be more in 24, we need to pray. We need to pray frequently. Make it a part of your day, your night, just as you go. And then to be more like Jesus in 24, we must process God's word faithfully. Because really, when I say be more in 24, it's be more like Jesus. That's all we're getting at. If I know I want to please God and Jesus always did everything to please the Father, then to be more pleasing to the Father, I'm going to be more like Christ. And so I'm going to process the word. Now, I chose that word carefully, process. I didn't just say read. Some of us are good at reading and checking a box. As I start this 26th year, this year I'm in my Henry Blackaby, the Experiencing God Study Bible. It was just published last year, or 22, I believe. It's a very interesting Bible thus far, but uh, last year in the Evidence Study Bible, I've done all these other ones over these last 20 plus years, but it's not to check the box and to be done. We've got to process it. It's like going to a processing plant. I don't know if you've ever done that. My father dealt with processing plants in the boiler business. And they take these animals, and some processing plants would just take parts, and they would make things. Over here, they might make dog food, and over there, they might make women's makeup. Congratulations, ladies. It's on your face. So I don't know, but they take all this stuff and they mix it and, and mash it and do things to it. And they make something out of it in the same way that your body would take in food and it must be processed to be helpful to you. But I believe too many of us own trophy Bibles. We open them in Sunday school or worship, grace groups, small groups, etc. but then we take them home. Y'all know what a trophy Bible is, and we set it on the trophy shelf. And it sits until the next time we come back to the house of God. And sometimes y'all take that book off the shelf and you go, oh, I got to get the dust off of that right there. Don't act like you so holy you've never done that. And some of you kind of break it in a little bit to make it look a little more well-worn than it is. But the reality, folks is that this ought to be a part of the daily walk of the child of God. You ought to be taking in the word and processing it, hearing it, studying it, reading it. What did Jesus say when he was being tempted by Satan in Matthew 4, 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Paul would write to young Timothy that all scriptures given by inspiration of God, all scriptures God breathed, it is all profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. And he says, I want you to be complete. I want you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is what equips us for kingdom service. Read it and seek to understand it. Are you going to read some parts of the Bible that you don't get? Yes or no? Well, I hope so, because if you figured it all out, you need to write a big old book. You'll be a bazillionaire. Ten years of seminary, an MDiv in Greek and Hebrew, and a PhD in applied theology reminded me just how stupid I was when it came to the Word of God. 
25, now 26 years of reading a copy of God's word cover to cover, all text, all notes, has reminded me how much of this God I don't know. And I don't want a God I could get my piddly little hands around, this tiny little finite brain. That is not the God of the universe. That is not the God who created us in his image. I want a God that I can learn and grow and study and walk with and relate to every day. For now, through this lifetime and all of eternity, that's the God of the Bible. You don't have to figure it all out on the first run or the second run. Get some great questions together so you can ask the saints of old when you're in glory one day. But read it with understanding. Now, I love this. I love something that's taking place right now, guys. Dad jokes are in vogue. Did y'all know that? Yes. Praise God. I think dad clothing's even coming back. I'm going to be so stylish. Y'all have no idea. Dad jokes are in vogue. I've got one of the worst ever, but I think it's hysterical. I read it years and years ago, went back and found it. And it goes like this. It's a small Southern town with a very interesting nativity scene. One small feature really bothered a family from New York City visiting the little tiny Southern town. The three wise men were all wearing fire helmets. Unable to come up with, just stay with me. Unable to come up with a reason or explanation, the family left the nativity scene somewhat baffled. At a quick stop on the edge of the little town, the father of the family asked the lady behind the counter about the helmets, and she exploded in rage. You crazy Yankees never do read your Bible. And the man assured her, ma'am, I tell you, me and my family, we do read the Bible, but I can't remember anything about firemen in the Bible. So the store clerk jerked her Bible from behind the counter, ruffled through the pages, jabbed her finger in a passage, stuck it in the man's face and said, here, there it is, read it. The wise men came from afar. Told you it was a dad joke. If you don't get it, explain it when you go home. Read the word of God. Know the word of God. Please do it with understanding. Don't make it say things you want it to say. Don't make it weird. It's not weird. It is mysterious. It is challenging. We have to bridge the cultural, linguistic, and historic gap. It's part of what my calling is. It's part of what God has called me to do. Next week, we're going to unpack some of Hebrews 12. For some of you, I'm going to shatter some of your thinking about that text. For some of you, you've been taught something about Hebrews 12 and the great cloud of witnesses that's going to rock your world. But some of you also love the country song, Holes in the Floor of Heaven, and that's just weird and scary. And so what we're going to do is unpack all of that next week. You say, well, pastor, how often do we need to read the Word of God? Surely you don't mean every day, really? Oh, okay. Well, the famous evangelist D.L. Moody said this, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air in his lungs at one time to sustain life for the next week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Say, Pastor, how often should we read the word? How often do you eat? And the truth is, I can't remember a lot of the meals I've had. I can hardly remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I knew I needed it. I'm glad I ate it. And the idea is, well, I read, but I forget. I read, but I I can't keep it in my head. Okay, but... The the point is not to just have it in your head. It's to hide God's word in your heart that you may not sin against him. And so take it in and process it. In fact, I would say that the word of God from A to Z is a constant source of encouragement and strength because it's the living word from the loving God. And it is sufficient for you. In fact, I've compiled a list. Some of it I've found, some of it I've added, but it's in your notes. 
It is in order in your notes and it starts from A and it goes to Z. We don't have it on the screen. I just want you to listen. A, all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. It doesn't say all things are good. It says they work together for good if you love him. If you're walking in accordance with his purpose, B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, uh, Acts 16, 31. C, David cried out in Psalm 51, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. D, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37, 4. E, enter into his courts with thanksgiving and his, courts with, uh, and his gates with praise, Psalm 100 and verse 4. F, I love F, it's Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. G, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble, Psalm 46, 1. H, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time, 1 Peter 5, 6. I, you know this one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1, 1. Y'all all know Matthew 7, 1, which is the J. Just don't use it out of context. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And then we go on to, let's see, JK. Keep my commandments and live, and keep them as the apple of your eye, Proverbs 7, 2. L, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart, Galatians 6, 9. M, which is from Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And then in, not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 4, 6. O, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever, Psalm 107, 1. P, I'll give you another verse to memorize for the day. Everybody's got the First Thessalonians 5.17 right now. What was that one? Pray without. I'll give you another one to remember. Psalm 151. Ready? It's P. Praise ye the Lord. Or you can shorten it. Praise the Lord. That is a verse, all right? Hallelujah is the Hebrew word there. Q, First Thessalonians 5.19. Quench not the spirit. R, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Exodus 20 and verse eight. You Awana fans out there will love my choice of S. It is 1 Timothy 2.15, I know you know it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not be ashamed. Approved workmen are not ashamed. A workman who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is our S, T. There is a way that seems right unto man, but its end thereof is the way of death. That's Proverbs 14, 12. You, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Psalm 25, 1. Thee, I know you've heard this one too. Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. W, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Mark 8, 36. You'll grant me a little uh, exception here, X. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Psalm 127.1. If you find an X one in English, please send it to me. I'd love to know. Why? I know you know this one. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Psalm 23.4 and Z from Luke 19.5. You know it? 
Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. It's a paraphrase, but go with it. All right, from A to Z, God gives you all that you need. See, some of you may be a little vitamin deficient when it comes to the word of God. Maybe you need a little more of God's vitamins. Maybe you need to hide God's word in your heart. Let me give you a couple of practical suggestions. When it comes to processing the word, you're gonna have to make the time. Make it. I didn't say find the time, you'll never find it. All of us are too busy. Make it, carve it out, be intentional. I would encourage you to be consistent. It's very hard if you're inconsistent with your Bible reading. So make the time. The second thing I would encourage you to do is get a plan. Now, here we've given away a few thousand of these already, I think. Get one of our plans. You can do it all like I'm doing, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. You can do part of it, but do something. Use your Bible app. It's free, version. Get online, find something. There's a plan that'll work for you. But if you're like me, you need a plan. You need to be systematized. So make the time and get a plan and then meditate. Slow down. Meditate on a word, a phrase, a verse, a text. Let it simmer and stew. Just like that soup is doing in the crock pot right now. Just like those hot Krispy Kreme donuts do when they come out from the glaze. Some of y'all to think about your resolutions. Don't do it. I just want you to get it in. Get in the word so the word can get in you. And we'll go to the last truth. To be more in 24, to be more like Christ, we're going to pray frequently as he did. We're going to process God's word faithfully. Finally, to be more like Jesus, we must participate in God's work fully. The church simply has too many spectators and not enough participators. Billy Graham said the greatest field for evangelism in America is the church pew. He surmised in the 50s that over 50% of those sitting in church may be lost and hell bound. I don't know that I agree with all of that exactly, but I do believe a lot of people watch and a fewer people work. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid in sports, baseball was truly my first love athletically. I played basketball until everybody got bigger than me, and then I switched over to tennis. So tennis, baseball, a little wrestling, did a few other things over the years, but really those were my loves. And I'm telling you, one time in a doubleheader, a tournament, a big tournament, I got sat down. I was a left-handed first baseman for years. Got sat down because of overheating. I remember the ice packs, and I remember being hot two ways. I was boiling mad. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be out with my guys contributing on the field. I wanted to get the bat. I wanted to put on my glove. I wanted to be a part of it. I was a terrible bench sitter. I know you're supposed to cheer on the guys and cheer on the team. I was just mad. I wanted to get back out, but I'm wired to participate. I want you to be wired to get in the game. And it's so much more than that. It's so much more than a game. It is life and it is gospel ministry. And I want a church full of people. Why I love feeding the 5,000. Why I love Boombash. Hundreds, thousands of people involved. I want you to be a part. But I want us to start doing that week to week to week as well. And a few verses to highlight this. Luke 10, 2, Jesus said, the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice he's not praying for the lost people. Now that's good and right and biblical as well. But in the text, Jesus is saying, pray for the laborers. 
We need more laborers to go after the lost. The lost are multiplying exponentially. Give me laborers. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But he goes on to say he's given us great promises that we may participate in his divine nature. Participate. Be engaged. Be involved. You're always going to get more out of it when you're involved. One of the things I love when Cindy and I got married, we had our little one-bedroom apartment, Williamsburg, Virginia. No kids yet, but we moved to North Carolina. We find us a church, a little country church where God would raise us up and call me to ministry. But we immediately, because it was her way, not really mine. I wasn't too close to the Lord at first, but it was her way. She was always involved. Let's sing. Let's keep the nursery before kids. Let's, let's do children's church. Let me get involved in student camps and let's just serve. Not for money, but just because God was so good to us, let's serve and be a part of this. And it's been the way of our life from then till now, these 29 years later. Just be engaged, be involved. And it's more about attending a class or sitting in a worship service, enduring a sermon. I know how some of y'all feel. It's all right. You hurt my feelings, but that's all right. Enduring this for an hour or less. But when you get involved, you'll get so much more out of it. I want you to get involved in what God is doing. Remember what Blackaby said in Experiencing God. He said, God is always at work around us. Find where he's working and join him there. God is working here. There are ministries to do right here. There are things you can do every single week, pretty much every day of every week. I have never seen a campus hop like this campus. I've never seen a campus between Grace Baptist Church, Grace Christian Academy, Grace Youth Sports, Grace Performing Arts Center, Grace Place, after school and camp ministry. I've never seen a place hopping like this. It's all the time. There's something you can do to pour into others all the time. And I want you to be involved. There was an elderly carpenter set to retire. He told his employer plans to leave the house building business and live a more leisurely life with wife and family. He said he'd miss his paycheck, but he really needed the time off. And so his boss man, the general contractor, was sad to see his best carpenter go. But he said, sir, I need you to just do one more favor for me. Just build me one more house. Please just build me one more house. And the carpenter reluctantly agreed, but his heart wasn't in it. He resided to shoddy workmanship and inferior materials, and it was really an unfortunate way to end a great career. When the carpenter finished the work, the boss man came to inspect it, and then the boss man handed him the keys. And he said, hey, I'm covering this. This is your house. What a shock and what a shame. And if the old carpenter realized he was building his own house, he would have built it a whole different way. But now, he would live in the house his hands had built. Now listen to me, y'all. A lot of you are living in the house you've built. And I know we have a culture of victimization and entitlement. I know we always want to blame the other guy. Why do we always want to blame the other guy? Because Adam said, that woman you gave me. And Eve said, that serpent made me do it because our parents did it all the way back to the beginning. But we live in the house we build with these hands. And I want you to build for the master carpenter in such a way that your life is a small reflection of his glory, that they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven.
that you give God your very, very best. We're talking about things here in our church right now that you may find funny, but I find important. We're talking about the grace bathrooms. Does anybody feel like we step back a few decades when we enter the grace bathrooms? If it were my home, and we don't have a very modern home. Listen, we're pretty traditional. We have no shiplap in my home. Joanna Gaines would die. But at my home, if it were that outdated, I think it'd be time to bust up some tile and do something. Y'all know what I'm saying? Because of your generosity, we're going to start attacking the bathrooms. (laughs) Uh, Somebody else is. I'm not going to. The point is this, and plus, I don't like to touch things. Everything should be touchless. Amen? Amen. Okay. The point is this, why would we not give God our best when God at every turn has always given us heaven's best? Pastor Frank did a wonderful job expounding on that in Revelation 5 last week. Though he's teaching his class, I shared in the first service how grateful I was to have not only him, but an entire team of pastors. Every one of them can handle the word of God. Aren't you grateful to have a group of men that know how to preach heaven down? It's a beautiful thing here. I have known guys called pastors that can't preach their way out of a paper sack, but we got a whole team of guys that can handle the word of God excellently. And I love what Pastor Frank said. He said, look, don't get hung up in the 24 elders and this group and that group. What did they say? That was a brilliant observation. I I know he didn't write it, but that's okay. It was a brilliant observation. The point is, They said, look, there's one who's worthy. He is the lion, he is the lamb. And there is one who is worthy of our best in 24. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is greater than any Hallmark card because God truly cares enough to give the very best. And so when we think about the gospel, we are sinners separated from God. We cannot work our way to heaven in a right relationship with our creator. But Jesus Christ came, paid the price on Calvary's cruel cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, raised by the power of God the third day, ascended back to God Almighty where he is soon coming to break the eastern sky and call his people home. Somebody ought to get excited about that and say, praise God, I'm a child of the king and I know him and he knows me and I commit this year, I will give him my best. I will not be a spectator. I will be a passionate participator. Are you ready to be more? Are you ready to be more in 24? Then pray frequently and fervently. Process God's word faithfully. Participate in God's work fully. Because my friends, time is so valuable. Any of y'all know what I'm talking about? The older you get and the faster the Christmases and the birthdays come. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm about to approach mid-century here in a couple of years. My sweetheart's only approaching her 30s again. But for me, (laughs) for me, watching children and grandchildren thinking our first grandchild is about to be four. Are you kidding me? I know I got married at 10 and we had her at 20. But look, here's the thing. Time is moving so quickly. Don't miss the opportunities you get this year. Imagine there's a bank, I know you've heard this, but go with me. Imagine there's a bank that credits your account $86,400 every day. 
It carries over no balance day to day. And every evening when the clock strikes midnight, every bit of that balance returns to zero and resets. Is anybody in this room that could learn how to spend $86,400 in a day? I could, I got ideas. Number one, I'd fix these bathrooms, okay. But after that, I got some ideas. I've got some guns in my cart, I know. I got some things I want. But you are given 86,400 every single day. They're just not dollars, they're seconds. And I would submit that those are much more valuable than dollars. You don't have to do the math, I know it's true. (laughs) I've done it. Some of y'all are wanting to bust out your calculator, it's okay. But the Lord opens a new account for you every single day. The stroke of midnight, that day begins and you get 86,400 seconds that begin to tick away. And by the time the clock strikes midnight again, they're gone. You'll never get them back. You had an opportunity to invest them, to use them, or to lose them. And I want to make the most of the time God's given me. It's hard to believe I've been your pastor now for five years. God willing, I'd love to see that 10 or even 20 or whatever God wants to do in my life and in the life of grace. But you cannot miss the value of time. To realize the value of one year, you need to ask a student who failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask the editor of a weekly broadcast. To realize the value of one hour, ask that groom who was caught in horrific traffic. To realize the value of one minute, I'm this guy, ask the person who just missed their plane. To realize the value of one second, ask that person who just avoided a horrific accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, ask the person in the Olympics who just took home the silver medal. Time matters. 2024 matters because it is a gift from God. If you're here and your heart is beating and your lungs are taking in air and you're out there and you're watching because I know there are many thousands more of you that'll be out there now or in the coming days. Maybe you're listening to me via podcast. I want to say to you, use this time. Paul told the Ephesian Christians, redeem the time for the days are evil. We will soon see our father face to face. Will he say, well done, good and faithful service? Servant, you were faithful over a few things. I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Or will he say, depart from me? I never knew you. Now, which is it? For you, for me, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more in 24. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.